feeling a little bit off-center there, so I thought I'd move that around just a bit. I want to thank Brian again for coming back up from Delaware to join us and help us lead this morning. appreciate his leadership and the worship team and all that, that they're doing to, in this transition time. Thank you. He is worthy. And we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning as we kind of again camp ourselves in the 12th chapter of Hebrews. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your scripture. If you have your Bibles with us, this will also be on the screen. But let me invite you to stand as we read God's word together. During the Lenten season, this is a passage we are going to focus on. And this is what the Hebrew author tells us. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. May God add his blessing to his word. Please be seated. Often in our lives of faith, more than comfort, we need courage. The truth is, often more than sympathy, we need strength. Often, maybe even more than relief, we, we need resolve. That's what we talked about last week. Hebrews tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And we happen to find out that a lot of them are Buckeyes. And, and they're singing more than Hang On Sloopy. They're, they're, they're reminding us that, that when we get tired, when we feel like giving up, that, that they are cheering us on. We might want the coach to take us out. But the reality is, is that those great cloud, that great cloud of witnesses is, is cheering us on saying, get back in there. Don't you dare give up. They're also saying to us, we've been there. It's your turn. You can do it too. We are witnesses that Jesus is who he says he is. You can fix your eyes on him. Now, I want you to know that that is the argument of the book of Hebrews, that we can fix our eyes on Jesus because Jesus is supreme. That is the theme of Hebrews. It's the superiority or supremacy of Jesus Christ. So that means that he is supreme. He is supreme to our challenges and to our situations and our circumstances. The way we might say that is, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. He's better than anything that you're dealing with. He's better and bigger than any situation you're facing. He's better than anything you're clinging to. Jesus is better. That word better or superior, it's interesting. It's used about 15 times in this book. Hebrews, in fact, begins this way. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the past, God spoke to us, to our ancestors, through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us through his Son, who appointed, who he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. 
The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had had provided purification for sin by dying on the cross and resurrecting from the grave, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Again and again, we see in Hebrews that the author is emphasizing that Christ is better because when we gain confidence in the one that we follow, when we fix our eyes on him, we're going to have courage to continue on. You see, this book was originally written for a group of first century Christians. Now, it's titled Hebrews because most of the people who would have read this book would have been Jewish Christians. And they are Christians who then have just started their race with Christ. They've just started their Christian life. And if you know them, they would have started with some excitement. There would be some determination. Some of you know this. Some of you, when you became a Christian, you were on fire. You were excited. You thought this was the best thing ever. But the reality is that after a while, life starts happening. And it gets difficult. And it gets sometimes hard. For these early Jewish Christians, they they had families that said, well, you're no longer a part of us. There was persecution. There was a culture that said, we don't want you to be a part. And so they grew tired and weary. And some of them were beginning to walk off the track. It was hard for them to keep going. Let me ask you, is there anyone here today who finds it hard to keep going? And so the Hebrew writer wants to fill them with courage by telling them, listen, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is better. As you read this book, you can just make a list of things that Jesus is better than. Jesus is better than the angels, Hebrews tells us. Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than the traditions. And Jesus is better than the prophets. Almost astoundingly to a Jew, the Hebrew writer in chapter 3 makes the case that Jesus is even better than Moses. Now, we hear that and we're like, well, of course, yeah, of course, Jesus is better than Moses. But for a first century Jew to hear that, that was a lot to digest. He was the guy. Moses was the deliverer. It's like someone saying, Ohio State coach Ryan Day is better than coach Woody Hayes. Now, we'd stop back and say, wait a second. I think Ryan Day is going to be a good coach, but I think it's really early to say that he's the best ever. But that would have been the idea, the tension that Jewish Christians would have felt. And yet Hebrews makes the claim, Jesus is better than Moses because Moses was a servant. And Jesus is the master. You keep going and you see that Jesus is better than the high priest. Jesus is better than the Levitical system. Jesus is better than the old covenant. So we can safely and assuredly fix our eyes on Jesus because he is better than any other thing. A group of American Christians in the 19th century... We're planning to visit London for a week. 
they had some friends who said they were so excited for them to go to London. And they said, while you were there, you have to visit and hear two of the greatest preachers in London and come back and tell us what you think. Well, on Sunday morning after their arrival, the Americans attended Joseph Parker's church. At the time, he was said to be, and I quote, the ablest by far to stand in the English pulpit. Well, they discovered that his reputation was well-deserved. He had oratorical skills like no other. In fact, after the service was over, one of them exclaimed, I do declare it must be said, for there is no doubt that Joseph Parker is the greatest preacher there ever was. Well, the group was so enthralled with hearing Joseph Parker, they thought about going that night back to hear him again. It was so wonderful. It was so eloquent. It was so beautiful. But they remembered that their friends had said, well, we'll make sure you hear the other one too, and this guy named Charles Spurgeon. And so that night they, they decided, well, we better do this. So Sunday evening they attended the Metropolitan Tabernacle where Spurgeon was preaching. The group was not prepared for what they heard. And as they departed, one of them again spoke up and said, I do declare it must be said, for there is no doubt that Jesus Christ is the greatest Savior that there ever was. I remember that story from time to time. Listen, my job is not to convince you that I'm a great preacher. And my job is not to convince you that we're a good church. My calling is to make much of Jesus. And my goal every week is for when you to walk out of this place, for you to say, isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Now, last week, We talked about this great cloud of witnesses. And this morning, I want to focus on that very next phrase. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Now, I want you to notice that the Hebrew writer identifies two categories here. It's fascinating to me that he describes everything that hinders And secondly, the sin that so easily entangles. Now we know this, we've seen it, the image is a race. We get that from the great cloud of witnesses. They're cheering us on in this stadium. But if we're going to run this race, we are reminded that we need to be careful to throw off anything that is going to, to slow us down. Let me ask you this morning, is there any weight, is there any impediment that might keep me, that might keep you from experiencing the full life of the power of Jesus that God wants for me? This word, throw off, it's kind of an interesting word. It's a Greek compound word. It's a word, it's a double word actually, which literally translated means set it aside and push it out of reach. Now, now capture that image, set it aside and push it out of reach. The idea is, is that you don't want to keep hitting the same obstacle again and again, get it far enough away from you that it will not hinder you 
from Christ. A couple of weeks ago, I had uh, some long meetings in Canton at our church's headquarters. They are the kinds of meetings that go on all day for hours on end, and you kind of sit there and, and you talk every once in a while, but, but it, it's kind of mind-numbing in a lot of ways. Well, to be nice, someone puts bowls of candy on each table, and usually they have chocolate in them, and I'm not a huge chocolate fan, uh, so it's not an issue. Now, I realize I may have lost some credibility with some of you right there, but really, I, I can... I can not have to deal with chocolate. That's not a big issue. But this bowl not only had chocolates, it had Starbursts in them. And that's a problem for me. (laughs) And so through the course of the meeting, remember, this is hours and hours and hours without even meaning to, I found myself subconscious. I, I didn't even decide to do it, but I realized I have woken up when I have picked up the bowl and it's, it's in my lap. And I'm, I'm taking one of those starbursts and unwrapping it and imbibing and taking it in. And I'm chewing. Of course, you, you, just, you don't just suck on those things. You chew them. And I'm chawing like, you know, like a cow with its cud and just going on and on. And one and second one and a third one. And then finally, I wake up and say, what am I doing? And I, I need to, to set this down. And so I pick that bowl up and I put it back onto the table. I set it aside. But 10 minutes later, the same thing. I realize I'm, my hand is reaching out, and there I am unwrapping the starburst all over again. It, 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 it's just happening. So at that point, I decided enough is enough. I got up, and I picked up the bowl, and I moved it to another table. Now, that's not as heroic as it sounds because there were no more starbursts at that point. <laughs> But I was bound to determine I was not going to get into the chocolate, okay? Push it out of reach. Now, I want to show you a a video of a young man who maybe still needs to learn this lesson. So let's see if we can roll that. Obrigado por tudo, Senhor. Obrigado por esse dia maravilhoso, por essa mesa que está por tudo que temos, Pai Santo e Pai Amado. Obrigado por nos ter abençoado grandemente, Senhor, e pedimos. Abençoe esse alimento em nome de Jesus. Amém. Amém. He thinks he's gotten away with it, right? He's, uh, yeah, he's pretty good at this. You know, if he, you know, it's just too much of a temptation. That's kind of, you know, when, when you pray too long, we've all been there, you know. Come on, come on. But he thinks he's free and clear. That's, that's a great little video. I wonder this morning, what are the things in our lives that, without even thinking about it, it's become a weight, a hindrance, in our pursuit of the prize of faith. Hebrews, through the Holy Spirit, is calling us this morning to wake up and name those things and say, this is slowing me down. I need to throw it off. Now, we're going to talk about sin in a moment. We know, and you've heard again and again, that sin deadens us to the power and the presence of God in our life. 
But it's interesting here that the writer of Hebrews, when talking about this race, talks about everything that hinders. So what does he mean by that? Listen, I think he means this. There are things that can hinder us in our walk that are not necessarily sin. There are things that can hinder us in our walk that are not necessarily sin. Do you hear what I'm saying? Every sin is indeed a hindrance. We know that. But not every hindrance is necessarily a sin. Well, let me flesh that out a little bit. Sometimes there are generally good things that I can have in my life that can become bad things in my life if I hold on to them tighter than I hold on to Jesus. There are good things that can become bad things if I focus more on those things than I focus on Christ. Now remember, Jesus is better Jesus is better. Do we believe that Jesus is better? Last Sunday, I posted on my Facebook update this quote from Justin Benge. It went like this. We are all worshipers. Every Lord's Day reveals whether we worship idols or the one true living God. Every Lord's Day, we make a choice of what we're going to bow down to. And oftentimes, friends, it's not in church. If you know me, you know that I love sports. But what is troubling is that for so many in our culture, sports has become more than. Sports is a religion. It has taken priority over concern for God. And I'm not talking about the occasional football Browns game or going and leaving early to to watch the tribe. I'm talking about how, for instance, so many parents have taught their children that a sporting event is more important than their connection with God on a Sunday morning. Week after week after week. Now, is sports and activity a good and healthy thing? Absolutely. But we have to be careful here. We have to reveal and see what the Holy Spirit is going to teach us. But for many in our churches, it has become a weight that makes it difficult for us to follow Jesus. I I think for many of us, our pursuit of entertainment can be the same thing. Television and binge watching or hours spent on social media. Now, is watching television inherently a bad thing? Is enjoying a movie a disgrace? Is checking your Facebook feed a a bad thing? Of course not. It is not bad. Yet, how many hours of our life get sucked from us? Because there are books that are never read, or prayers that are never prayed, or Bible studies never engaged, or conversations that are never had because we sat and watched Big Bang Theory for hours on end. It's so easy. We don't even realize it. But it's something that maybe the Holy Spirit wants to to reveal to you this morning. That this is a, a hindrance. It's a weight. It's blocking you from me. And, and further, and let me just keep, I'm stepping on toes today. Let's keep going, Pastor. There are those shows that entertain us, and we know the immorality of those shows. 
the, the nudity, the explicit language, but because of an interesting plot line, we keep watching, not realizing all along it is deadening us to the presence of God. I used to preach a sermon years ago on have we forgotten how to blush, Jeremiah chapter 6. But I'm convinced that not only have we forgotten how to blush, when we look at and when what happens is we begin to act like, we will look like, and eventually we will sin like the world. And so while we watch those programs, I also want to remind you, dear mom and dear dad, our kids are watching us. So be careful. Maybe what is really going on in these other pursuits, and I thought about this this week. Maybe, maybe we, not even do, we don't do that even consciously, but we're afraid, really, of the presence of God. We realize that, man, if I get serious about enjoying his presence and entering into his presence, he's going to deal with me. He's going to get, he's going to, he, he's going to, he's going to maybe get into my business. When we kind of begin to be serious about getting into God's word, we're afraid because we really don't want God to mess with us. We know that he'll get into the deeper things of our motives and our attitudes and the resentments that we hold on to. That when we really get with him, when we get serious about our relationship with him, when we enjoy him moment by moment, He's going to deal with our insecurities and our vulnerabilities and those places where we're self-deceived. I'm not so sure that we really believe that Jesus is better. And so we go after other things. So instead of running to him, if we were honest this morning, we've been running away from him. What is hindering you today? In ministry, I discovered a weight that surprised me. I still deal with this. But I discovered that being busy for God is is much different than being with him. I I can be busy for God. I can get really engaged in doing ministry and preparing sermons and and, and visiting people and trying to make a difference for the kingdom and, and avoid him altogether. Busyness, service, ministry itself can be a weight. And when I don't become conscious of that, if I don't put that aside and say, Lord, it's easy for me to to go out and, and be a representative for you when I haven't spent time with you, I know things have got to change. Because he wants to restore my heart. He wants to do his work through me. He doesn't ask me to do my work or his work on my own power. He wants me to do it in his. And he is so tender. He is so gentle. But he calls me to himself. Is Jesus better than ministry? I think the pursuit of more can be a hindrance. Now, we are doing well if we work hard and we make a good living. But how often in our lives do we think life is about getting more? Because it's just as bad. We live in such a way that we think that 
Our gain is really our gain. It belongs to me. And so we don't think about generosity to, to ministry. We don't help the poor. We, we hoard and keep and are miserly. Now, again, having nice things is not bad, but having an ungrateful heart or not being generous is a hindrance because it means that we don't know the heart of God. Is Jesus better than more? You know, I, I've determined that I think alcohol can often be a hindrance. Now, could I show you in Scripture where it's a sin, that alcohol is a sin? Absolutely not. Now, I can show you rather easily where drunkenness is a sin. That's easy. But for me, the use of alcohol is, is, is somewhat troubling. Why, why is it that I don't drink? I don't drink because I don't want others to drink. I spent too much time over the years with so many families that have been devastated by alcohol and alcoholism and, and how easy it is to a gateway to other things. So as part of my testimony, I want others to know that I don't need alcohol because Jesus is better. Jesus is enough. What is the weight this morning that is slowing you down? Missionary Amy Carmichael wrote this. She said, and I'll take this slow, anything that would hinder us from the closest walk that is possible to us till we see him face to face is not for us. We need to be sensitive to the first approach of the hindering thing for the sake of the souls that may be stumbled if we turn ever so little aside, for the sake of our master's glory, dearly, Dearer surely to us than all else, let us ask him now to show us whether in any wise we have been showing crooked patterns. You see, you go crooked when you've got things entangling you. You go crooked when you've got weights that you're trying to discard. What are those things that weigh me down and and are impeding my path to Jesus. Listen, I've, I've heard some of us talk this week about giving up certain things for Lent. And, and by the way, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it can be a healthy discipline, in fact. But listen, Jesus did not die on the cross so that we would give chocolate up for Lent. Jesus died and was raised again so we could experience forgiveness and freedom from sin and know for certain his love and his presence. And Jesus, because he is better, because he is supreme, he is worthy to take the throne of my heart. That gives him the right to say, Jeff, that's not for you. It might be okay for someone else, but Jeff, we're going to live this way. We're going to walk in this way. This is the pattern. This is the life that I am setting for you. Are you willing to walk that race 
Are you willing to to run it without these weights? He is worthy to have my full attention. And sometimes that means, yes, him pointing out things in my life that I need to set aside so that I can pursue him freely. This then, listen, is not about what I'm telling you to give up. The message is, is about what we gain when we choose to live in the power of being focused on Jesus. Think about what we gain when we serve Jesus, when we love Jesus, when we know Jesus. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. You see, I I think there's a connection here between the, the hindrance and the sin that so easily entangles From the very beginning, we see that the heart of every sin is the fact that we believe a lie. The sin that so easily entangles is at its core a sin of unbelief. I really don't believe that Jesus is better. Now, I can tell you Jesus is better than any situation. Jesus is better than any circumstance. But if you want to really trip up in this race, believe something else is better than Jesus. My money is better than Jesus. Pornography is better than Jesus. Drugs are better than Jesus. My bitterness is better than Jesus. I can hold on to those things. And you can run the race if you want. Try as you will. But you will trip up and get entangled. Hebrews tells us, let us throw those things off. And by the way, God never commands us to do anything that he doesn't give us the power to do. And so in 2 Peter 1, we read these words, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Did you hear that? Can I encourage you to get rid of the stuff in your life that is going to slow you down? Set it aside and push it away. They they aren't the worst things in the world. They just aren't better than Jesus. And I suspect that right now he's showing you what it is in your life. And this is the truth. He will help you because he's good. Isn't he wonderful? Let's pray together. Our Father, I thank you that you have given us Jesus Christ. Jesus is better than anything we carry. Lord, I thank you that he is better than any situation, stronger than any circumstance, or brighter than any darkness. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, would you give us wisdom and grace and your power to throw those things aside that are not necessary and, in fact, hinder us from fixing our eyes on you. And so, Lord, right now, I pray that there would just be this sweet moment of reflection 
that, Lord, there would be this sweet moment of repentance, confession, and a determination to obey. Lord, through your power, would you help us, God, to push those things away? And Lord, may we be found on that day chasing after you. Help us not to give up. Help us not to quit. Help us not to cling to those things which are unworthy of your adoration. Let us encourage each other as we wait for your return. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, as we close and as uh, Brian leads us, I, I'm not going to give a, a long altar call. You know me better than that. But if God is speaking to you, let him speak and, and take the time to listen. And if you need to come to this altar, please do. But it occurs to me that maybe the greatest hindrance you have is the fact that you've never said yes to the gift, the gift of salvation that Christ offers you. And this morning, you realize, I need to do that first. And if you need to come and receive Christ as your Savior, believe me, my friend, it'll be the best decision you've ever made. It won't be easy. But you have these people around you. Let us, let me remind you, let us. We do this together. We do it as a family and as a community. We do this together to throw off so that we can get rid of those weights and we can pursue the one who loves us fully. By the way, he knows us fully, and he still loves us. Jesus is better. In hope and confidence of that truth, let us, let us worship and sing together. The altar is open if you need to come, but would you stand as we sing?